Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. On the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. There it is, Adam Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your have you seen anything like that? Welcome to the clubhouse. Oh, no bigger sport in Australia right now than golf. It is all happening. Lots of news, lots of wins for Australia on tour, and the Masters is just a week away. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the clubhouse. Julian Bale is my name. In the studio with Mark Allen and Marco. What a what a time to be a golfing fan in Australia. Mate, plenty to talk about. Jason Day, another win for the kid. I think that's six in 13 tournaments on the US Tour. Yep. Um, just phenomenal stuff from this man, particularly when you consider he was kind of stuffed before the first round <laughs> in the match play. Yeah. He was stuffed. I mean, he couldn't. He knew he had a sore back. Yep. He had people from his team telling him not to play. Um, <laughs> how about how about when he won his first match? And I think it's Steve Sands or whoever it is. Jason Day couldn't talk mm. after he won his first game. He could stay in shot. He could stay in shot. But Steve Sands had him there. He said, can you just say, oh, I can't talk. No, I can't talk. But he stood there in shot for a while. Um, look, he had treatment. Apparently, Bubba Watson's trainer was the man uh, giving him the help yeah, right. that it required. And it's, you know, just like um, the AFL, the NRL players, it's, if you're in trouble, it's every hour. You've got to have a bit of treatment yeah. to get it done properly. He did that. In between round one and two, first, and then continued right about, throughout the week. What about that drive on the first tee after he, after uh, after the, he had the two, drove about 360 the or something? <laughs> <laughs> Look, all the commentators are going, will he be a bit tentative on this first yeah. shot? <laughs> Bang! Off it goes. <laughs> He's swinging the club as well as I've seen him. Yep. But the most important thing going into Augusta is that his putting is at a level now that we've never seen before in Australian golf. And I'm talking Baker Finch, and I'm talking Aaron Badley. Now, Aaron Badley last year in putts gained, led. Yeah. He was the number one putter on tour. He missed his FedEx, you know, he missed his cart. So it gives you an idea of how poorly he was hitting the ball. <laughs> the rest of the game wasn't that great. No good at all, but he was the number one. Now, on this strokes gained putting stat, the way it works, folks, is wherever your ball finishes on the green, over there they have uh, uh, the ability to chart everyone's putt who plays that day. So your putts are against the rest of the field. Mm -hmm. That's basically how it is physically. But Jason Day's putts against the rest of the field are done in a very different place in that tournament because he's playing so well, he actually has the pressure of winning associated with wherever his putts are. And he's number two. Like even Jordan Spieth last year, I think he was number nine. So mm. we all saw how incredible his putting was yep. in 2015. For strokes gained, he was number nine on the US tour. Uh, like I said, his putting is associated with big wins. Yep. Now Jason Day is too. I mean, he's had some big wins now. Bay Hills is a big win. Uh, the match play is a big win. The US PGA is an enormous win. Massive. Enormous wins. These stats that we're talking about now that sees him at number two, he's putting with a lot of pressure as well. When you lead from start to finish yep. like he does in a lot of tournaments, mm-hmm. absolutely uh, the way these the, this this putting stat is measured, it's significant that he is now number two putts gained. And look, 
when you when you watched Jordan Spieth last year, I mean his putting is just you know a whole new level <laughs> of of beautiful to watch. But Jason Day is now right there. He's in the same bracket. Right up there. Yep. He's in the same bracket. The same the beautiful rhythm. The beautiful. There's a real rhythm, Jules. To when you putt, to when you actually make the stroke, and then your head looks up. Mm-hmm. You don't want to stay down too long. You don't want it looking up too early. There's a beautiful rhythm. Normally, that's the first thing to go under pressure. Yeah. Is that that the rhythm of the head look you where sp- the ball's going? We've spoken about Adam Scott, where he's yeah, that's right. He's got the and, tilt, yeah. trying to keep it down too long. So there is a real rhythm that's involved um, with the head looking up, and it's really easy to do on the practice putting green. But when you are desperate for a ball to go in the hole, that's when strange things happen. You either, either try and stay too still or you're looking up uh, trying to you know, almost steer the ball at the hole. Under pressure, his head look is as perfect as you'll ever see. And so was you know, Jordan Spieth's. And Tiger Woods used to not look. You know, he used to look with his eyes, <laughs> which was pretty clever to actually putt and then just use your eyes to look. Most people actually move their head to look where the ball goes. But Tiger had this amazing ability just to shift his eyes and his head without moving yeah. his head too much. So he did it another another way. Jordan Spieth, you know, on the short putts, he was actually looking at the hole, which kind of counterbalanced everything <laughs> on the short ones. But on the long, on the 10-footers, when he was looking, he had a beautiful yep. rhythm to his head look uh, when he was going as well. So Jason Day, I've never seen anything Good like science. it as far as his putting at the moment. And when you can co- combine that, Jules, sorry to ramble That's on, right. when you combine that with hitting the ball 380 <laughs> yards off the tee, Helps. it's pretty handy. Yeah. It's very you, handy. You can just get a little cheeky up and down for birdie. you know. Yeah, and his chipping is unbelievable, fours. mate. His yeah. chipping is unbelievable, and that has helped because of his putting. Yep. He knows he's going to... He's, he's, he's got he, no pressure. He's, he knows he, knows he's he can g- nail him. That is exactly right. He, he yeah. knows a four and five footer, more than likely, it's going in. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have to chip it to a foot. Yep. He can chip it to the four foot. He can chip it to the five. He can probably chip it to the six. I'll still knock it in. And when that's in the back of your mind, it's amazing. The pressure valve's released a little bit, and that's why he's chipping it stiff all the time, which makes it which makes golf easy. All right, big show ahead today on the clubhouse. Lots to talk about. We're a week out from the Masters. Yeah. Excited. We'll get a full preview from yep. you a little bit later Looking on in the show. So yep. if you're a big fan Hang of around. the Masters, so Hang around. stay tuned. Marco's going to give you. I'll tell you where to put your money. Outsider. Tell you where to put year. your money. It's where he, uh, that's where he likes yep. to go. And we're also going to talk about, well, a bit of controversy in Australian golf because our version of the Masters, Marco, is not on. No, that's the saddest thing uh, I've heard this year about our golf. I mean, we're travelling so well. Mm. And I'm going to sound like a broken record a little later. <laughs> I am. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but get ready. But, man, I'm, I'm, you know, that tournament started in 1979. When I was playing, yeah. it was the biggest and the best tournament. It was the richest it got attracted the most people. The coverage was the best. Yep. It's where Australian golf coverage made its name. Uh, mate, I remember playing. I was a, I was a hack, Jules. Mm. Oh, it was four deep sometimes <laughs> when I was playing. Yeah. You know, that the, shame where it's the got feel about that event, um, it all changed when they moved it from February to December. I'll tell you more about that a little bit later. Well, hold probably. fire because we'll, uh, we'll get your thoughts on that a yep. little bit later on in the show. But... Jason Day's win. We've spoken about it already. One thing I want to talk to you about mm. was you've been a little bit critical of his mental, the mental side of his game. I, I yep. would say over the last probably twelve months, we've we've yep. talked about that and uh, and whether that that part of his game is right for him to be able to come back from where he was with that back injury. He's got his whole team saying, yep. "Don't play anymore. Yep. Get yourself right for the Masters. It's yep. not worth you going back out there." Yep. Then to come out and win and win so convincingly, five and four in the in the final, uh, and then that big win over yep. Rory McIlroy in the semi final. Things are changing. Clutching that putt. 
on the 18th. Yeah. Things are things are changing, things are changing for Jason Day and the way he's playing right now. And here's the thing: unfortunately, all the players at the moment, their mental ability is going to be measured against Tiger Woods's mental ability and Jordan Spieth's mm-hmm. at a 21 years old to see what he did last year. So, you know, when we talk about Jason Day's mental ability to cross the line, unfortunately, he's going to be compared to Tiger Woods. Now, the amazing thing with this is that he's got Tiger Woods's ear. And uh, yeah. he tells us all about it too, which is which is kind of good. Which, which we like. We it. like it. We do. We do like that. So, uh, yeah, when you hear him talk now, even he says it. You know, his his game is all set. He's just got to get his mental ability to a level where he can win on the biggest stage of all, uh, which is you know the Opens and the and the mm-hmm. Masters and PGAs and the US Opens. US Open, he's actually made. He's made for that one as well these days. He's made for them all. Um, but it it is incredible. It is incredible that mental ability when that gets into your putting, because that's that's the business end. And we saw him, you know, his his match against uh, Brooks Kepka and his match last week against uh, McElroy. He didn't hit the ball like a dream. He did not. No. He had to rely on his short game, mm-hmm. and that's the toughness in golf. You know, when you're hitting the ball like a dream from tee to green, like Adam Scott does, that. That scragging, you, you kind of lose it. And, you know, sometimes you don't get that test leading into a big tournament. Jason Day's had that test where he hasn't hit the ball perfectly from tee to green, but his scragging and his toughness on the golf course is there for everybody to see. It's really hard for him to make a bogey at the moment. It's really hard. Mm. Augusta, by the way, is the easiest place in the whole world to make bogeys. <laughs> the easiest place. Can be... I, I reckon we could go there and make lots of bogeys. <laughs> I reckon we could. <laughs> I reckon you're right. Um, and and in, in saying that as well, if you're playing well, it's kind of the easiest place to make the birdies. Mm. I mean, way back in 1986, like this is the 30-year anniversary of Jack Nicholas winning that tournament. Mm-hmm. Jack shot 30 on the back nine. He was 46 years old, <laughs> shot 30 on the back nine with a bogey on 12. Wow. I mean, if you are do, if you're hitting the ball correctly, you've got you've got 13, which you can make an eagle. We've seen lots of eagles at 13. Mm-hmm. You've got 15, where we've seen eagles basically to win the tournament. Both those holes also we've seen doubles and triples, yeah. where you can actually <laughs> lose the tournament. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the other holes it just seems like 16. If you hit the ball in the right place, it just seems to come down to the hole, and you've got yourself a three footer. So if your if your tee to green game is on, you know you're going to have some short putts for birdie. Uh, and if you know you only have to hold a couple of fifteen footers along the way, you hold the short ones. So you got short four shorties. Yeah. You hold two longies, boom. just two. Boom! There's your six under on the back nine. Yep. Thank you very much. So it's out there, but if you're just a little bit off, and this is where this week Nick Feldo's commentary at Augusta, there is nothing yeah. better. I mean, the man's won three of them. Exciting. When you hear him talk about feels and how precise that you have to be, um, and actually getting your feels right under pressure when you're doing something new at a tournament like Augusta, like oh, I've never been there, but you know, I sit in my chair and listen to Nick Feldo and just, I mean, I really like it. I really, I love his insight. So when he's talking next week or this week, folks, make sure you turn the volume up and have a listen to everything that Nick Feldo says because it sounds simple, but. What he talks about is key to winning at this golf course. It's going to be fascinating. Jim, Can't wait. excited. Can't wait, mate. Full preview from Marco very, very shortly on the you know, clubhouse. Yeah, you know, sometimes the worst times uh, 
when you get this excited, some of the old Greg Normans, yeah, like he'd won, yeah. you know, came second the year before. That's when he, normally the 76 gets thrown in. So let's not talk it up too much. We haven't had too much expectation last couple no, of years going in. We haven't. Um, this year we do. Yeah. This year we do, buddy. So, excited. look, fingers crossed. Set the alarm. Get up early. Maybe Mark Leishman's going to be the man well, maybe. to go crazy. Maybe he maybe is. Maybe he is. Who, Who knows? knows? All right. We're going to get to a break. Up next, well, we're going to talk about... Bit of a controversy in Australian golf because yeah. the Masters is no longer this year and we want to find out why and how we can fix it to get it back to what it was. This is the Clubhouse right across Australia. In your life have you seen anything like that? You're listening to the Clubhouse. Yeah, you're with Mark Allen. My name's Julian Bayard. Great to have your company across Australia talking all things golf and, well... An interesting article that uh, appeared on Wednesday night going into Thursday morning's paper, Marco, was that the Australian Masters in 2016 will not be played. The event won yep. by Peter Senior for the third time last year and yep. was back at the traditional homeland at Huntingdale. Uh, will not be played this year. IMG, who run the tournament, have come out and said that uh, they're going to not have it this year and, and an announcement to come in the next couple of months about how they're going to revamp it for 2017. Firstly... Your thoughts on them not playing it this year? Well, they couldn't. And you can't blame IMG for this because the tournament was getting smaller and smaller and smaller because it had the worst date in the history <laughs> of golf weeks to have a tournament on. The, the Masters, it seemed, every year, and I'm going to say for the last 10 years, ever since it got shifted, I don't know when it got shifted, from February to uh, November, mm-hmm. but it was the right decision at the time. It is the wrong decision now to have that tournament there, and now we don't see it. But it was up against the finale of the uh, race to Dubai in Europe. It's up to, It's up against the very start of the wraparound year these days on the US tour. It's up against all the tour schools that are around. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to, you know, we're all scratching our heads, you know, when you're watching it. I wonder why they can't attract anybody. Yeah. I mean, you, you're going to get Adam Scott. You're going to get... Every once in a while, Ernie Els. Ernie Els was scheduled to play this yep. year. Of course, he pulled, pulled out. out. He'd, he'd had enough. Now, at, when it comes to November, when these players, you think about how much golf they've already played. It's April. By the time it gets to November, they don't want to do anything. They want to rest. They Give want to see time. their family. They want to time. do all that sort of stuff. <laughs> now, I, I said a second ago, when they moved the tournaments to uh, November, December, it was probably the right move. But Why was it the right move then? Uh, because... There was not. There wasn't these wraparound because we only had or, three. We only had three events, and you yeah. best put our three events together because you might snag players to play in all three. All three. Okay, in, it, it, that, that that was the thinking. Yeah, um, but now before Christmas is poison for our tournaments. Absolute poison. So I now I don't want to sound like a broken record, no, Jules, but you know this. Yes. I mean, our tournaments need to be in February. At the moment, we've only got three left. Perth International, mm-hmm. which is in February, mm-hmm. nice start, part of the European tour. Australian Open is not part of any tour. Just there. It's just there. Yep. So, you know, if a young bloke wins the Australian Open, he, he, I mean, if he's got nowhere to play next year, he's he's actually got to go to a tour school. Like we saw Nick Cullen. You remember Nick Cullen I winning do. the Australian Masters at Metropolitan. Mm-hmm. He didn't come back to defend his title. Do you know why? Because he had nowhere to play and he had to go to a tour school. So you, you can see there, there is going to be always tr- trouble, problems developing a deep field. It's no good getting a few players. No. You know, like the Australian Open, they do so well to get the field that they get every year. Golf Australia do an amazing job. But, you know, if you dig a little bit deeper, it's, it's not a deep field of golfers. 
It's great to get Jordan Smith. It's great to have Adam Scott. It's great to have Mark Leishman. You know, it's great to get the other international stars that, that filter down. Yep. There's eight players, nine players, and the rest is made up of basically the Australian kids who who aren't playing on the US tour, who aren't in the finale yeah. of the European tour, and who aren't at tour school. So basically all the rest. all Every B-grade player is not going to be there. You know, you, only, you, you need... You need eight A graders. You need about forty or fifty B graders. Yep. We don't have that. We don't have any B graders, basically. So we've got the C graders rolling. We just got C graders and D graders yep. playing in those in, in those events. Now someone someone's gotta think about what's happening here because when you look at the model that South Africa have been running with That's right. for twenty five years, they now have more major winners than we do. Please. They now have more tournaments on the European Tour than we do. Every time you watch the European Tour at night time, the leaderboard is dominated by (laughs) South South African players. (laughs) I mean, somebody at headquarters, at Golf Australia, because there's two headquarters, it's like, you know what it's like? Mm -hmm. It's like Victorian racing and New South Wales racing. That's how it's going at the moment. Right. So (laughs) instead of everything being under one umbrella... And lining up a racetrack of tournaments. Perth, well, forget the Masters now. I mean, they're going to have to work hard to get something up and going. So Perth, Australian Open, and the the Australian PGA, line them up in February. The other thing that February is magnificent for is because, one, we're then sick of cricket by February. Well, the tennis, The tennis is over. You look back a month from now, Marco, or six weeks. Yeah. The NAB Challenge was on. They were playing in regional Australia. Yeah. But you sort of, you're not quite ready for footy. No. It's at the night time up, too, by the way. There's nothing on sport wise. Yeah. There's nothing on. Zero. So it's, it's the perfect, perfect calendar. It's the perfect time slot in the calendar. Yeah. It's, there's nothing on. Absolutely. It's also perfect because it's up against tournaments in America, like um, uh, the Phoenix Open. Mm-hmm. Right, so that, not everybody likes that no, tournament. You can actually drag some down. On a course that's not the that Pebble nice. Beach Pro Am is a tournament that most people try not to go to because of the bumpy greens. Yep. Torrey Pines tournament, the bumpy greens. It, it's a beautiful time to maybe pinch some of the big names, mm-hmm. but more importantly, um, it, it is a time where hopefully players, our players, yep. have got off to a good start in November, December, playing on the tour, and they go, okay, now I'm off to a good start. Yes, I'll come down and play in the tournament. That's got to be in the background of everything. Now, just changing our tournaments to February, it might be a dry spell for the first three years. Mm-hmm. But once it's entrenched into that European tour schedule, you might things you might find things get shuffled around a little bit. Well, that you might find that the European tour says, "Let's get down and play on these unbelievable golf courses." If it's if everything's if if it's easy for players to get to, so Perth. Let's say the Masters comes back. Perth, Melbourne, Sydney, off you go. Or Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, off you go. Or Sydney, Brisbane, off you go. If it's made really easy, you'll get players of quality from the European Tour coming down. The European Tour, you know how good the players are? They win the Ryder Cup pretty much every year at the moment. They're not squibs. The European Tour players are guns. And we are basically just saying, no, 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 we don't want it. I think Golf Australia and I think the PGA have made an unbelievable bad mistake not putting these tournaments together. They actually have to look to the future and do what is right because our tournaments in November, December, it's not going to work long term. 
That's why the Australian Masters, we don't have it this year. You've been so big in the past, Marco, and particularly on this show and your own radio station as well, that Australia, the Australian tournaments need to be on this European tour to yep. get the to get yep. the when you win, you get yep. you know the, the right. exemption on the European tour. What where are we at with that? Because you've spoken about the yeah. in the future that this is going to happen yep. uh, eventually. Where are we at with making sure that our big tournaments are part of the European tour so that players actually want to come here because it's worth their while, not just for prize money, but to actually get some points. Baby steps have been taken. Right? So the Perth International is a European tour event, but it hangs in February by itself. Yep. The Australian PGA Championship is now a European tour event, but unfortunately it just hangs there by itself. It's next to the Australian Open, but it just hangs there by itself. Yep. So they're doing the right thing, and, and I'm sure they all understand the importance of us being associated with the European Tour. But let's do it properly. Let's put them all together. Let's make it a pathway. And if you really want to do the job properly, then all of our smaller events, Vic Opens, New South Wales PGAs, Queensland Opens, Queensland PGAs, West Australian Opens, South Australian Opens, all, all those smaller events need to be on the other side of Christmas. So you have your 10 small events before Christmas and you have a order of merit there for basically our young Australian players. Mm-hmm. Let's say the top 20 players from that small tournament circuit, then they get into the four big ones. Yep. And all of a sudden, these blokes have a pathway to actually playing against the best players in the world. European Tour is a pathway to getting inside the top 50. But at the moment, there are tournaments all over the place. It doesn't make sense. If you were to start from scratch, forget about the history and start from scratch. And we said, we're going to give you four European Tour events and you can keep your dozen small events. This is the perfect way to do it. Now, someone just has to be brave enough to say, okay, we're going to miss a year here. We might actually miss a year of playing the Australian Open. Mm-hmm. That might happen. We might miss a year of playing the um, Australian PGA. It might happen because it's hard to get funding. You know, if, we're gonna, if all the tournaments are in November mm-hmm. at the moment, we're yep. going to play them in February. Almost impossible, I would imagine, to get the to funding in the same calendar year. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, calendar year? Other one. Right. Business financial yep. year. Yep. Almost impossible to get the funding in the same financial year. So you might have to skip a season. You might have to. But that would be perfect. Absolutely perfect. Have all the small events together before Chrissy and have an order of merit, whatever, top 20, top 30, get into the big ones. And you have those big ones around February, maybe the second week in Feb and you go to the first week in March. And then you give our players, our Australians, a pathway to that European tour. And the European tour is then a pathway to the US tour because you can get into the top 50 on that European tour. Once you're in the top 50, there is a pathway, a simple pathway. Play well in the majors, play well in the World Golf Championship events, and you will get enough money on the US tour to collect your card. That's what it's all about. Mate, I've only been saying it for <laughs> how long have I been on the radio? For? Since 2004? Oh, yeah. mm. Come on, somebody's got to be listening. This has got to happen. At least, even if, just want- if you just come out and say, you know what? We're working towards that. Yeah. That's what we want. <laughs> Say that. We just want to have some some tournaments that mean something and some good players yeah. to go and watch. But at the that's moment, yeah, that's that's all we want. Yeah. But tell, sh- tell us, tell yeah. us what you're working towards, because at the moment, there is no plan. There is nothing. You got an Australian Open that is associated with nothing. All you do is win the Stonehaven Cup. You don't get an exemption <laughs> anywhere. You might get a small event. You know, you might yeah. get into one of the World Golf Championship events, but that's not security. How about you know Nick Cullen? How about that one? You win the Masters. 
you don't come back the next year because you're at a tour school yeah. trying to find somewhere to play. What a ridiculous situation. Sums it, Sums it up. Now, the PGA and Golf Australia, get together, will you? Tell us what the pathway is going to be and fix this situation. All right, Marco's about to blow a gasket, so we might right. have to take a break on the clubhouse. Good up next, some more positive stuff, Marco, because the Masters is only a week away. The US version, and we've got a few players who Come on, boys. genuine chance of winning. We're going to find out who you think is going to be holding or getting the green jacket right after this. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to The Clubhouse. Yeah, you certainly are. The Clubhouse across Australia. Mark Allen's the best voice in golf on radio. He's in the studio with myself, Julian Bayard, and we do it all thanks to Club Mandalay Golf Course. It's Melbourne's newest golfing experience in the north. And if you're thinking of golf in Melbourne, you're coming to visit or you're in Melbourne, make sure you think Club Mandalay. It's just 20 minutes up the road from Melbourne Airport on the Hume Highway, clubmandalay.com.au for all the details of how you can book around up there. It is magnificent. Marco. Do you know how to bet on golf tools? No. Do you know how it's done? <laughs> no. You understand? There was a, I had a role there going with KJ Choi. Now, yeah, did I, I remember? I wasn't just backing him to win. No. I was backing him every week because they showed him no respect. Mm. He was a gun player who, at any given week, would have been probably like thirty-five to one, forty to one. Yeah. The bookmakers had him at eighty and ninety to one pretty much all the time because they didn't respect his ability. So, if you've played golf at um, at uh, professional level, you understand that. You can just hole a couple of 15-footers early, see your name on the leaderboard, and all of a sudden you're part of the tournament, and your mindset changes. It shouldn't, yeah. but it just does. Conversely, if you get a bad bounce on the first hole and you make a double somehow, then the world's against you, yep. and it's hard to get rolling. So it's not like a horse race. Cause I know you can, you know, obviously you can't pick winners all the time in horses, right. but it's more complicated than a horse race. So all you can do if you want to make money playing this game, which is gambling <laughs> on golf. Gamble responsibly, of course. You've got to look at the odds and you've got to see whether they're over the odds. Yep. All right. So if we're tossing a coin, it's 50-50 whether it's going to be a head or a tail. So if you bet heads all the time, you can safely say you're not going to lose too much money. Yep. Right. So <laughs> when you see somebody like Jason Day, 7-1, so... Yep. It's for the Masters. Right. Seven so one. that means basically that, you know, from six goes, he's probably one chance of winning. Seven to one. Yeah. That's how it works. That's probably about right. Yeah. If they played six times right now, he'd probably win once. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's above the odds. Rory McIlroy, the way he's playing at the moment, $8.50, he's probably under the odds. Jordan Spieth, the way he's playing at the moment, $8.50, he's probably under the odds. But only just fractionally. What you want to do in golf, you want to find somebody who is a mile. This is your specialty, Marco. This is where it is good for me. Okay, <laughs> now, the Masters is a good golf betting tournament because you don't have a 144-man field where everybody is a reasonable chance of winning. Yep. And I'm talking about, you know, we always see blokes who are, you know, you read the day next day, he's number 870 in the world or he's the last person in the tournament. Basic tournaments, you can win a lot. This yeah. tournament, there's only about 90... You know, maybe just under 100 people playing. A lot of that field is made up of past champions. They can't win. Another part of this tournament is made up of amateur golfers. They can't win. Mm -hmm. Then you basically have a few guys who are playing in the tournament but can't win at at this venue. So in the end, you only have about 40 players who can win this tournament. Let's say 50. 
So this is where it comes in the play. All right. So Bubba Watson at eleven bucks. Nice. He's won this thing twice. <laughs> that's about right. So you, you know that's a good bet. Ricky Fowler at seventeen dollars. Ricky is putting extremely well and bombs it. He's at seventeen bucks. I reckon that's probably about right. Dustin Johnson. I just don't think he can win here. I don't know why. I hope I am wrong. Mm-hmm. But at twenty-one bucks, I don't know. Okay. Phil Mickelson's at twenty-one bucks. I think he's old, and I don't think he can win <laughs> here. Old. Yeah, I do. I don't think he can win here. Right up. I think he's old. Now we get to a few players. <laughs> now we get to I a few it. players, dude. Where we're talking about blokes who can win at this event. Yep. Justin Rose, Ooh. quality player. Yep. Twenty-three bucks. That's telling me that if you played this tournament twenty-two times, he'd win once. Mm-hmm. I think he'd win more than once okay. if you played this tournament 22 times. So Justin Rose, great value, $23. This is the one. Louis Oosthausen. Just runner-up in the uh, yep. and he's last week to Jason Day. He's lost this tournament in a playoff yes. to Bubba Watson as well. So this guy, when you talk to the players who play every week, mm. and more importantly, when you talk to the coaches, people stop watch Louis Oosthausen hit the ball. He's clearly swinging unbelievable. He's clearly putting incredibly well. Yes. Louis Oosthausen at $29, he should be at 11 bucks. Right. So if you're looking for value this week, I'm not saying that Louis Oosthausen will win. <laughs> but he is much better than 29 bucks. If you play the tournament here 28 times, I guarantee he would win probably more than once. Yep. So let's let's have it. Underrated. Underrated. There so get go. on Louis Oosthuizen. He's good value. Henrik Stenson at $34. I think he's got to win one at some stage. He should probably be about 20 bucks. Patrick Reed's at 41 bucks, but I don't feel it with Patrick. Brooks Kepka is a gun at $51. I just don't feel him winning here. I might be wrong. Yep. But 50 to 1 probably sounds about right to me. Now, two names down the list. Paul Casey. Yep. He's a gun. Mm. He's playing well. He's played well at Augusta before at 56 bucks. I almost reckon that's giving cash away. <laughs> oh, that on. is a beauty. I reckon he should be twenty. I reckon he'd. I reckon he'd win once in, in twenty times. times. Yeah. No, in twenty times. I reckon. So I reckon Paul Casey's a ripper. Way over the odds. Sergio, way over the odds. What about Leash there at fifty six? Way over the odds. Brandon Grace, way over the odds. Right. Brandon Grace can win this one too, mate. He, he's a jet. Now a couple of names down. I see Tiger Woods at sixty seven. That's got to be a joke, doesn't it? That is a joke. <laughs> Even, even going to play. Even if he plays, I think he should be 100 to 1. He's not going to win. Come on, Tiger. I'm just looking down a little bit further. Jason Duffner, JB Holmes. Billy Haas is at 100 to 1, $101. Right. Billy Haas can play. Mm. We saw him lose just the other week. Um, was it a playoff or did he just come second? But Billy Haas at 100 to 1. Bad. That is good value. So if you're going to have a little sneaky 10 bucks, there you go. You might make a 1,000 on Billy Haas. <laughs> A little sneaky 10. But that's the way. Lingmurth. Lingmurth's at $151. He could win here. He's a gun. And Angel Cabrera. He plays well here a lot, although he's old. He's very old. He's, he's, he's as old as me. Phil Mickelson category. Yeah, he's as old as me. He's at 200 to 1. Um, All right. Leave him alone as well. Let's put the odds aside for a moment. Yeah. Gamble responsibly, of course, with all that stuff. 10 bucks. Having, having a bit of fun. Don't go crazy. Having a bit of fun. Yeah. Now, uh... 
Who is going to win? Jason Day is going to win. Jason Day is going to win. Jason Day is going to win. I hope he doesn't listen to all this stuff because I reckon <laughs> that would play with your mind. If you kept on listening to the radio or the sports shows, everyone's saying he's, he's the hot golfer coming in. Now, he's the number one player in the world, and we've said this before. It is hard to win tournaments when oh, – not tournaments. It's hard to win majors. Yep when you're the number one player in the world. Only a certain kind of player has been able to do it in the past. Tiger Woods is one. Greg Norman's another. You get the feeling. You, you get the. You, you understand. Jack Nicholas, even though the rankings went around, he was the number one player in the world, and he could come into majors and win them as the world number one. Probably Nick Feldo could as well, um, You know, without having the rankings and the time when he was number one in front of me. But only a certain kind of player can be the world number one and win majors. Roy McIlroy's probably done it before as well. Yep. This is a huge step up in class. Oh, yeah. If he comes into a tournament as the world number one, a tournament like the Masters and wins, he's in the elite of the elite oh, to do that. Yep. So that, even though he's probably not thinking about that, that that's you know, that that's something that people will talk about if he can win this gold uh, green jacket by the end of the week. Does he stay as aggressive as what he has been, Marco, for the last uh, couple of tournaments? Because that's what's made him so successful. Does I'd, he have to just ease back a little bit and play yep. a little bit within himself? Or yeah, can he keep going a, all out attack? It's like a really good been? call, actually. It's a really good call. I think I think he can still attack off the tee at Augusta. Yep. But I think he's just got to safe side it a little bit more uh, with the irons in his hands, even the wedges in his yeah. hands. I think he's just got to safe side it and play to his strength, which is his putting at the moment. I mean, his strength is how far he hits it off the tee, and also his ability with the with the putter at the moment. So he doesn't have to try and hit it to a foot every single time. He can actually play safe and try and hold a ten footer or a fifteen footer or a twelve yep. footer. So I think that that's very important. But I think he has to stay aggressive yeah, off the tee because so many times in the match play, you saw his, some of his shots landing like a meter over the water. Yeah. Onto the green, or he was he was trying to cut a corner and yeah. he just beat the yeah, water. It's a really good call. And in a, in a match play tournament, you only, if you if you're going to lose the hole, you lose the hole. Yeah. In the US Masters, that could lead to double triple. bogey, triple bogey, and, and there's your tournament. Yeah, so, I agree. So yeah, you're spot on. It's a really good call. He needs to be, and I think all players know this. Yeah. Uh, whether they can put it in the practice or not is mm. another question. But I think he can afford to be not so aggressive. Yep. With the irons. Um, and, you know, one of the keys at Augusta, you have to be very defensive when you've got a downhill putt, very defensive, um, and just wait for those uphillers. Now, with Jason's length, I mean, you know, Augusta, this is one of the great things when Tiger won so many times there. You know, Tiger could reach the second in two. He could reach the eighth in two, par fives. He could reach 13 and 15 in two. Basically, the course, I mean, if you look at it like that, it's a really hard par 68. Yeah. Let's say it's a par 70 for Tiger. <laughs> it's the same for Jason. Jason's hitting the ball further than Tiger ever did. Yeah. Further than he ever did. So, uh, Jason, this tournament sets up really well for him. He's going to have plenty of birdie putts, but he has to pick and choose which ones he goes with. And that goes with Adam Scott as well. Adam has to pick and choose. And even though he is brilliant from tee to green, he's got to be careful with the irons in his hand, probably safe side a bit, and wait and be patient for those uphill putts that he can look at and say, okay, this is going in the back of the hole. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> Me too, mate. It's great. It's great. It's the first time I've been back here in Australia. Well, how come you're not over there? Uh, well, just, well, I've been there the last 11 years in a row. I just yeah. need a little bit of a break. Just need some time at home. Need a little bit of a break. <laughs> yeah, I did. Need to see the family. Yeah. <laughs>
I did. <laughs> anyway, can't wait. Can't wait. Hopefully the coverage is good. Yes, and I see Channel 7's put it back on free to air. Yeah. Yeah, which is enormous. So congratulations to Channel 7 and as Fox well. Sports got a dedicated channel? It does seem I hope that. so. I saw something along those lines. I, could I be hope wrong, so. I apologise if that's That'd be wrong. huge. I've um, seen Tim Sheridan doing a lot of promos. Yeah. And a lot of, gee, how many times can we see that chip from Tiger Woods rolling down the green with a Nike symbol just sort of holds on the edge of the... I don't know. Do you, I don't know. Do I worked with Tim Sheridan lately? once. Yeah. I did the Masters coverage once for Channel 9 in 2002. Yeah. Tim was the my wingman, or I was his wingman. Yep. That was an interesting experience. Oh. <laughs> can we keep moving, please? We can get to a break. This is the clubhouse, and we do it all. <laughs> the Club Mandalay Golf Course. It's Melbourne's newest golfing experience in the north. Green feeds available seven days a week. Clubmandalay.com. You got a masterclass next? you. We certainly do, right after this. Marco's Masterclass. Welcome back to the clubhouse. Just before we get out of here, we always get a nice golf lesson from the best golf teacher in radio. His name's Mark Allen, and he's here on the clubhouse for you right now. Mark, Good on you, Jules. Nice of you to say. Now, a lot of people have been watching golf for a long time. Everybody, it seems, is using the claw. Mm. Louis Oosthuizen loves... Oh, here we go. Louis Oosthuizen loves the claw. Yep. Adam Scott... Loves the claw. I thought you were going to go again. It's all right. <laughs> Mate, there's a lot of players. They all use the claw. Now, there we go. Thank you. I like it. Now, if you are thinking about using this technique, one of the things that you must do is that you must be prepared to make a longer stroke. It's When you've got two hands gripping a golf club, you have a lot of strength. When you only have one hand basically gripping the golf club, yep. half that strength is gone. So if you try and have the same technique as far as your rhythm is concerned... It's just not going to work. You're going to leave a lot of putts short. Now, the claw works. It is a proven golf technique now. People are winning with it at the highest level, and stacks of golfers are beating the yips with it mm-hmm. at a club level. Yeah, And even just a lot of club golfers are actually doing really, really good things, beating their handicaps. Handicaps are coming down since they've gone to the claw. The reasoning is it's because it forces you to have a longer, more rhythmical stroke. Yep. My old man's taking up the claw. He loves it. I'm telling you, the claw just works. The claw just works for so many people. But believe me, one of the biggest killers in putting when you've got the hands on is people making too short a backswing. And they make the same length backswing for every putt. I'd go on about this as well. Mm-hmm. You can't have the same length backswing for all putts. Short putts, short backswing. Middle putts, middle backswing. Long putts, a long backswing. Yep. And you actually judge the backswing length to match up with the length of the putt. Best putters in the world just do it. It's just something ingrained in their head. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, when people just look at the piano or they can play the piano. <laughs> the best putters in the world, they pick up a putter and for whatever reason, they just the backswing length is perfect every yep. time. It matches up. So when you do this, if you have been a bad putter, I almost guarantee that your backswing length has been stuffed up and then you're forced to really accelerate for the longer putts and probably stop on it for the shorter putts. When you use the claw, it is so important to have a short backswing for a short putt and as the putts get longer you end up with a quite a long backswing for the long putts this is how the best putters in the world play and if you use the claw you can improve your putting out of sight but you must match up the backswing length to the length of the putt there you go the claw. Are you a claw man? No, I'm not. I'm not a claw man, but right. uh, maybe because yeah. I'm not putting that well. Yeah, even if you're not a claw man, even if you like holding the club with uh, two hands, yep. like everybody else, you can actually just do it as a um, practice mechanism on on the yeah. on the golf course. Could it actually? It helps you develop a beautiful rhythm mm-hmm. with your putting stroke because, like I said, you're only really holding 
the putter with one hand. Yep. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about with the claw, Google the claw putting grip. Yep. Can I have that sound effect one more time? Google the claw putting grip. <laughs> I bet Toy Story was your favourite show growing up. Just about. Yeah, yeah, I bet it was. Yeah. Look at you. You were wrapped about. Which one was that? Play, Toy Story uh, 1, 2 or 3? I reckon it was Toy Story 1, I reckon. I could imagine a Maybe. little Jules when he was a little kid. Finding Nemo. It was coming on the TV. You would have been absolutely wrapped. When you said the claw, I had to get that out. Yeah, good work. Yeah. Good hey, work. Um, next week, Marco, we're going to be smack bang in the middle of Whew. the US Masters. Come on, boys. It's exciting. We'll see you next week on the Clubhouse. Great yeah. to have your company. Fingers crossed, Jules. Catch you next time. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.